You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. Katie John Wentz. I'm going to sit because I can't stand and because I'm a bit of a stand-in as well, a bit like Pasco, but I got a bit more notice. Um, he loves me more. Uh, Lucy does rather. I get gender mixed up, as you can tell. Um, I kind of know where I'm going with this story, which means I've set my watch to allow myself seven minutes of rambling introduction. And then, uh, then at the last minute, I'm going to give you the two-minute story because that's the only bit I know. The rest of it, I always like... Um, basically riffing off other people, um, or ripping off other people. You know, that whole thing about artists borrow and great artists steal is actually true. And I spend my, my day job essentially having to do public speaking, but always following somebody else's public speaking. And because I don't want to get bored, I never plan what I'm going to say. I always try and find a hook in what they've said. So based on that... Um, what's my first hook with Pasco? Well, my, my first hook with Pasco is the fact because he talked about heroism. And actually, when I was at school, kind of, I was the least heroic person you can imagine, despite doing three years in the kind of the, the school's army cadets and things to try and man up. You can tell the manning up bit failed. Um, but I did discover through my family that my great uncle was a spy in the Second World War and spent most of the Second World War in Yugoslavia and he ended up being uh, Tito's um, personal interpreter. He learned seven languages in the Balkans and then he discovered on the radio that the Germans had discovered he was there and so he was kind of rushed out of all of that. But it was like, oh God, that's the, is that the heroism I want to be? But then we hear kind of Ruth's kind of social heroism. And speaking of school reports, I um, can t tell that I can just literally segue off anything without having anything in mind about what to say. But my school report um, was one that you did one of those kind of, uh, they did this career assessment thing. They put you through kind of a Myers-Briggs type thing and then tell you what career you should go and do at the end of it. And, and mine said basically uh, brain surgeon or social worker. Uh, <laughs> I thought, okay, how did you get those two out of what I actually said? And then another one actually said, these are the careers I could potentially do. And then it unfathomably said, but we can't work out why Jonathan, my then name, um, has a real issue about social workers. Well, I can tell you why. It's because the, the woman about five doors down had a moustache and was a social worker. And... And I thought that all social workers looked like that as a result. And I was terrified of them. Um, but growing up, I remember kind of being, I think my story is about fear uh, and getting into deep water. And I'm actually petrified of deep water. I remain petrified of deep water. I've done scuba diving because I'm petrified of deep water. But what do I hate more than what I'm afraid of? I hate fear. And... Um, I was um, talking this afternoon about uh, a suicide attempt in my past and my bipolar. And I thank God for my bipolar. Well, not thank God, because I don't necessarily believe in God anymore. Um, but I, th I thank life for my bipolar, because if it wasn't for my bipolar, I wouldn't be fearless. My bipolar lets me 
be the kind of Wizard of Oz, cowardly lion who gets a real heart, uh, to actually go out and be courageous. And so I'm not entirely certain I am as going against the tide, as fearless as people make me out to be. You know, I'm, I'm willing to stand up and speak in front of thousands of people and not care, but I am nervous and terrified half the time, but somehow I've got into a wonderful version of imposter syndrome slash denial that I'm actually afraid. And because of the bipolar, I can then hook into the, the audience moment, shall we say, and I can go from abject sheer terror um, into, oh, this is fun. And, and that, that switch is very, very quick. It's like someone flipping the hourglass. So um, I kind of want this story to end up with a moment about me confronting a fear. Um, but how I get there, well, it's a bit like your story was like, you know, who am I and how did I get there? Or why am I and how did I get there? Um, I guess the how that I want to be has always been fearless. Um, but I'm, and I think I was fearless as a child, but it was crushed out of me from rejection and from various incidences of bullying or just realizing the world wasn't as nice as I thought it ought to be or I wanted it to be. I remember age five, the first time I actually went to school school. Um, and our school, the town I grew up in had the National Children's Home headquarters. And so we had what was then called a special needs class in our school. And it was full of a diverse range of people that you wouldn't perhaps necessarily normally get in school, including um, a girl I remember who ate all the guinea pig poo and also broke the guinea pig, um, the school guinea pig, um, and, and just a variety of different people with different needs and varieties, shall we say. But I remember going in and, and just finding every one of them fascinating and interesting, and every person in the school, I thought, I want to be your friend. And I remember within weeks of school, going home to my mum and saying, Mum, why doesn't everyone love me? I love all of them. And I, so I started out with this kind of Disney-eyed view of life at five, and by the age of 15, I'd had it all beaten out of me. Um, and I blame my mother a little bit for one of those incidents, which, which is one of those days, I used to have these mufty-nufty days, whatever they're called, non-uniform days, where you give a pound to charity and you get to wear what you like to school. Um, and I was about, I don't know, 13 or 14, and I made a foolish decision. Actually, I don't remember making a decision. The decision was made for me by my mum, I guess, and she dressed me. Big no-no. And so I went to school in this, like, stripy T-shirt with all the colours of the rainbow on it, essentially, um, and got the shit kicked out of me at school for looking like I'd been dressed by my mum, which I had been. I spent the next 20 years wearing black um, to try, because I just never wanted to be myself again. Around the same time, I was burying this confusion around sexuality and gender as well. Um, and I was really annoyed with my dad as well, the fact that he could wear a pink shirt and get away with it and no one would question him because he was a man. And you know, no one judged him for it. And yet I wanted to wear pink or purple or any other color. And I thought if I wore them immediately, everyone would think I was gay. And I wasn't sure what I was, so I didn't really want to tell people that. So I spent a lot of years becoming increasingly, increasingly locked into this chest, this box, this closet. Um, and I suppose to use the kind of the, the deep sea metaphor, I buried every part of myself that I thought could be seen by others and shoved it into this chest, locked it up, and hoped to bury it in, in you know, David Jones' locker at the deep part of the sea. But, and also thinking, because I was afraid of 
depths and, and discovery like that, that I wouldn't ever go near it again. That was safe. I then, just to make really, really sure that I would never go there, decided to immerse myself in fundamentalist Christianity. Because um, that's a really good way that I would never go near this chest ever again. Um, I then made a foolish decision, which was to marry a psychiatrist. Um, which, you know, it's kind of, it kind of kept it buried for a while, but eventually it began to resurface. But one of the things I did whilst married to this psychiatrist is because they had an income and I didn't really, was we used to go on a lot of um, foreign holidays. And we used to spend a lot of time in Egypt or the... Um, um, the Caribbean and things because she was a diver and she became a master diver and I became a master kind of bedwetting diver in the sense that I I literally had to go and piss myself in uh, a scuba suit on the beach before we went into into the sea to go and swim because I was terrified every time we went out there with like an hour's tank of air I came back after 30 minutes because I would hyperventilate my way through the first 30 minutes of air. <laughs> and whoever was buddied with me hated me because they got less time underwater. Um, yet, having once I did get comfortable underwater, um, actually, underwater doesn't feel like swimming against the tide. Once you can get beneath it all, it is one, beautiful, and two, it's like what I imagine swimming in space would be like. And my latest idea for my own euthanasia now is actually to, you know, rob my dad's inheritance, spend £100,000 and be let out of the door in space, you know, when I'm ready to go sort of thing. Because then I can just swim without drowning, which is my, one of my biggest fears. So I thought, that's a nice idea. I could go out there if anyone would ever consent to that, this kind of Swiss dignitas death by space. Um, but... But the actual aquatic story I want to tell towards the end, though, because my watch is beeping, telling me, now you've got to tell the actual story. So one of the things I used to do, though, as I kind of found a kind of a token amount of bravery, was whenever there'd been a terrorist attack, I went on holiday there. Um, and the idea was, one, it was cheap. Two, you were helping to rebuild the economy. Um, and three, there was lots of, you know, last-minute bookings. Um, <laughs> So I went to Jerusalem, I went to Luxor, and I went to the one I remember now where this story relates to is I went to the hotel, or the sister hotel next door to the hotel in Kenya that had just been bombed um, in, in Mombasa, I think it was. And, and I remember going there. But one day I went out um, swimming and I got a little bit too far out and I got out of my depth and I started to panic a little. And I looked behind me, and I saw this 10-foot gray shape not far from me, kind of pursuing me. And I panicked even more. And I have an anxiety disorder. I have panic attacks. I have the bipolar, as I said. So I went into pure bipolar, not fearlessness, the opposite in that moment. I went into meltdown. I went into shitting myself. I do remember the kind of the scuba sign for shitting yourself. Um, there is one. Um, it's a whole different sign language. And I remember like, just suddenly discovering, Pasco says he's confident in the water. I'm not particularly confident in the water, but I found this confidence in the water, and I began to swim like an Olympic swimmer. Forget which gender's in the pool at this point. It's just me swimming like hell um, for my life until I get to a point where I think, actually, you know what? I can see the shore now. I can probably stand up. And, and I actually got to that point where I thought, fuck it. If I can probably run faster than I can swim now, I'm going to stand up. And, and I've been looking behind me you know, regularly like, because I can't do that proper cruel thing where you stick your head in the water all the time. My head goes like that all the time. And I was, every time I did that, my head was looking behind me, shit, it's still there. <laughs> and, um, 
and, and I finally stand up and I kind of pelt it to the shore and then I start telling people, like, oh, there's a shark. Like, what? What are you on about? What are you on about? And then I realized what I was actually running from was my own shadow, <laughs> which is the story of my life. Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website, truestorieslive.co.uk. We're super grateful to be supported by Arts Council England, Norfolk County Council and Writer Centre Norwich. <laughs>